Nation is home to the Anu Spiritual Order founded by Chief Jegna Haru Yuya Asan Anu. Some of the components of Anu Nation are Anu Life Global Ministries, Enlightenment and Transformation, Sudulu House, and Osiris Life Spiritual Services. SuduluHouse.com is the school component of Anu Nation where spiritual empowerment through education and training is emphasized. One way that is accomplished is through our monthly webinars. Our webinars are packed with foundational information, rituals, and live instruction to empower your spiritual work. At SuduluHouse.com, you can view our diverse list of topics for this year that range from meditation to sex magic. And you can also register for any of the webinars at your convenience, sign up for our introductory Orisha class, schedule a spiritual reading, and sign up for the new spiritual training course. Enlightenment and Transformation is the media component of Anu Nation. Here, you can view all of our archive shows from over the years to our current segments. They include Chief Speaks, Masterminds Monday, Anu Asafo, Thunderground Thursdays, and Foundational Fridays. You can also visit us on our YouTube channels. They are Enlightenment and Transformation, Orisha Yoruba, and a new nation. Osiris Life Spiritual Services is for those who are ready to take the necessary actions to bring your life into holistic balance. Here we offer consistent monthly one-on-one coaching, solutions that are tailored just for you, practical hands-on self-development techniques that will accompany your monthly readings, and customized practical strategies designed for you that guarantee positive results. Simply choose the package that best fits your needs. And last but not least, AlphaOmegaStore.com. The Alpha Omega Store is our online botanica where we offer divination tools, herbs and incense, DVDs, books, and other hard-to-find ritual items. You can also get our best-selling foundational book, Grasping the Root of Divine Power. 
Other great works from Anu Nation are Shrine and Altar, Solutions for Dysfunctional Family Relationships, and Natural Hair for Young Women. All great books to assist you on your journey. To find out more on how to get involved with Anu Nation, visit our websites and YouTube channels and be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter. Peace. Welcome to Enlightenment and Transformation. This is Chief Yaya speaking. And today is Tuesday. And of course, we're doing our midday segment, right? And I see everyone, not everyone, but we have a lot of people in the, in the uh, chat room, you know, chatting it up. And uh, we have some people already who have come in on Blog Talk. And I see we got a bunch of listeners on YouTube. So, hell, hell, the gang's all here. <laughs> I want to welcome everyone, of course, as I always like to do to this space and to this moment, and especially you newbies, you newbies, those of you who have just figured out maybe a couple months ago or a couple of strongs ago that um, everything was not, you know, as it was presented to you and that there's a little bit more going on out here than you were initially led to believe and you're brand new to all of this. You know, let me welcome you because let me tell you, this journey is, is full of ups and downs and a, a lot of really beautiful and cathartic moments. And it, there's also a lot of opportunities for, for great disappointment, you know, when, when you're learning and, and you're growing and you're trying to tap into the truth. All right. So um, willfully the little bit of time, that you spend here with us at our new, this will be some of the highlight of your learning, you know, and some of what you can look back on and maybe even use as a standard and say, you know what, that's the way I want it to feel. And now that I know that I, it's easier for me to recreate that, you know, hopefully that, that, that will be something that you will be able to say and you'll be able to experience. So like I said, I just want to give a, a double <laughs> special shout out to all of, all of the, uh, the conscious newbies, per se, we want to call it that. So yeah, you know, we've been talking about some great things. Um, I think, I think they've been great all this month. I think just the whole, the whole idea, the whole conversation surrounding authority uh, brings out some really great conversation. It brings out some really great ideas and and things that we can follow up on and and associate with uh, again the concepts and the ideas of authority and reconnecting to, to our divine lineage and reconnecting to our traditions, most importantly, because that's for the, for a large part, that's what we've been talking about doing. Um, now have all of you been doing that? I don't know. Uh, I don't know for sure. You know, I only will that you do, but uh, for those of you who are actually putting the work in and really striving to reconnect towards your, your tradition and, and really redeem your bloodline, you know, because for a lot of us, that's what it's about. You know, maybe some of these things that um, we're talking about doing have been kind of forsaken by our families. You know, we haven't real they haven't really um, put an emphasis on them in a way that's logical. You know, sometimes um, we're just kind of meandering a little bit and we, we grow up in families where it seems like we're founded on the air. And we're just kind of swaying, moving to each different side and each different section, depending on what social engineering or, or societal architects tell, tell us that we should go. 
go this way. No, go that way. Go that way. Go that way. You know, and uh, sometimes we we come out of families that are caught up in that same melee. You know, so they really have very little to give us in t- in terms of culture and heritage. So it's a heavy work. It's not easy. You know, it's not easy saying, okay, where do I begin? Where do I start? You know, it, it's almost scary in some some instances. You know, um, when you fi- like I said, when you finally realize that everything is not what they told us it was, and then you have to make a decision in that moment to decide, okay, well, okay, well, how am I going to start to redeem this? You know, there's so much that I missed out on, so much that wasn't shared with me. Where do I begin? You know, so man, let me just just uh tip my kufi to you. <laughs> you know, those of you who have embarked on that journey and you're doing it sincerely, you know, you're not just using this as a distraction to kind of make yourself feel like you are doing something important with your life and, you know, or to get out of doing the things that you should do. You know, consciousness should not be an escape um, from the duties of life, you know, from the things that you're supposed to be taking care of and the things that you should be investing in and, and taking care of your family and yourself and, and things like that, man. So definitely don't use it as that, but you know, this is an opportunity for you to reconnect and realign, man. This is like your salvation in many senses, you know, if you kind of look at it, you know, uh, being saved, being reconnected, you know, getting that rhythm back, getting your downbeat back, figuring out, okay, this is where, this is where we step. This is the downbeat. This is the drop, you know? Uh, so for some of you, it is that. And for others, you just, you know, it's fun. It's a good old time, <laughs> you know? But uh, like I said, things are changing and they're changing rapidly in the world, man. And if you keep playing, you're just going to play yourself out. At some point, you know, I had a real good conversation earlier um, with a sister, a student. And we were just discussing, um, and she's, you know, she's doing the work. She's about it, you know. She's doing a lot of work. Matter of fact, at times I tell her too much work. Slow down a little bit. (laughs) You know, smell some flowers. (laughs) But, um, you know, there's, there's an aspect there that at some point, you know, like when we look at certain castings, if you look at Grasping Root of Divine Power Nine position OB divination casting. I'm not going to say the name of the casting because, you know, look it up. It's always a teaching moment. So I'm not going to give you answers to the test. But, you know, you have certain certain readings that will that will share with you the um, the dangers of being engaged in war for so long that you forget what you're fighting for and you begin to fight for the sake of fighting. You see, and in that. Sometimes we even do that in our conscious learning, man. You know, um, look at your short-term projections, look at your long-term projections. And that's kind of what we were speaking about a little bit earlier. And, you know, I had shared with her that on some levels, uh, I have had to really sit down, sit myself down, I guess, and reassess who I have been investing in, why why I have been investing in them, and if there's truly been a significant or at least a comparable return on investment. And sadly, in many instances, that answer has been no, you know, so, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. 
uh, that's why you do reevaluate, you do reassess, and you make determinations as if to what as if to what you're doing actually makes sense, you know, or are you just kind of stuck in a battle or stuck in a war and not really seeing things or seeing people for who and what they really are? You know, some people want you to move harder and faster and, and hustle harder than than they're actually going to do for themselves. And um, you have to be able to pull back at times and say, no, this not, it's not that, that type of party. We're not going to do that. You know, um, or people like to maybe hear me teach. Oh, chief, chief teach. You teach. What do you know? What do you got by now? What are you sharing with the people by now? This is not a show. This is not a one man show, you know. Um, so there comes a moment where sometimes you may have to reevaluate. And then you you may make certain decisions based on that moving forward. So, you know, we were just talking about that and some of the, the initiatives that um, maybe I have begun or um, or are midway through that I'm kind of altering midway through based on getting some feedback and things like that. One of the reasons why I didn't do the retreat, yeah, we postponed the retreat. People are still asking me about it, which is a sign of things, too. If you still ask me about postponed the retreat, that means you ain't paying attention. You see, I know, I know. A couple people feel bad already because a couple people emailed me about it. So, oh, you talking about me? <laughs> but no, we're not going to keep putting a lot of effort into beautiful events and supporting the consciousness and the safety of the people, and they're not reinvesting in themselves or taking that effort serious. Or coming with the mind where you're really, you know, ready to get out of your integrative thoughts or, you know, where you're integrating into a society that's not working. Some people still want to bring that into the space. And um, at this point in time, I'm really about calling for a higher standard in the work. And I'm not going to overexert myself. I don't really need to. So, yeah, that's that's why I said, no, we're going to postpone that retreat. Because essentially and basically, just to make it real simple, they don't deserve it. That's why we're going to postpone that retreat. It's a lot of work. It's not a money maker for me, you know. So it's not a like a we do retreats once a year and I charge. You know, I'm not a party planner. I'm not charging a certain amount. Then I get my cut off. It's not. It's nothing like that. I don't make any money. Anything like that. I do it from the heart, you know. So. Uh, at some point, you got to realize, and this is a good lesson for you, Brother Anwar. Good lesson for you. So at some point, you got to recognize when uh, you're not getting the proper return on investment. Your heart may be in the right place, but sometimes we ascribe a nobility to our actions because they're good actions. But if the return on the investment is not properly situated, and it's and it's not coming through, you know, if it's not really being generated like that, then we may be doing something that's out of alignment. And if you're out of alignment, you're bordering on that line of doing things that are wicked, even though what you're doing has a, a air of nobility to it or it's admirable um, within its own space. You see, then it, there still can be a problem because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You see, so. Just giving, you know, just dropping them little, little hints. <laughs> I guess we could call them hints at this point. You know, just dropping little hints. 
you know, and some people will get the hints and do something with it and some won't. That's fine. Doesn't matter. Not to me. Either way, it doesn't matter to me. So we had a good talk about that earlier, just about really asking yourself that question. What do you really want? Because sometimes we lose sight of that in this work. What do we really want to do? You know, aside from what you think your answer is supposed to be when you become conscious, aside from what you think people want to hear from you, what is it truly that's in your heart to do? You know, if it's anything, and if it's nothing, then, you know, be honest about that, too. Um, But you don't have to become a servant for this imaginary group of people. As I try to share with people, a lot of times when I'm talking to clients and students, you know, when they say, I want to help my community. And I say, well, you probably don't even have a community. You know, think about that for a second. And if you think you do, tell me who they are. And I want names. I want, you know, tell me, you ain't going to give me exact addresses, but where do they live? Where do you all eat? Where do you all worship? How do you all name your children? How do you all bury your dead? Because if you're a community, that means there's a there's communal values and mores that have been transmitted across your collective and across your grouping. If you don't have that, then that's not a community. It may be a bunch of people who live around each other, reside a lot around each other, but that's not a community. So um, sometimes you got to pick your head up. You know, that's that degree of self-awareness, you know, when you can kind of pull back from the microcosmic work and, and take a larger, put, you know, look, just kind of step back and say, okay, what is it that I'm doing here and, and who am I doing it for and why am I doing it and do I still even want to do it? You see, and, and that's a critical thing. I know I told you last night we would dig deeper into social engineering on this segment, and we will. But um, I felt that was a good conversation I had with the sister. And, you know, after I got off the phone, because I had to get off because we had to, um, I had to get the session started for, the, for this show. But, you know, um, after the call, you know, I kind of thought about it. I said, you know, that's a, that's a good that's a good little warning that I think a couple people need, you know, and, and we were just talking about, you know, I'll share some, I'm not sure all of it, but just how much we invest in, into systems that we also, that we don't like, you know, and I know that there's, there's some, there's some divide there. And I've spoken about this before. We look at like even Western systems or Western culture, how invested we are into building certain things in a space that has never worked for us. And how afraid we are sometimes to simply, let me put it simply, to leave. You know, we, we make every excuse in the book to say, well, no, I got to stay here. I got to do this, do that. And we're, we're, we're doing things that don't work for us and that are killing us. You know, and at what point do you say, you know what, this isn't the best way to do this. And the best way is very accessible to me. It's right in front of me. Why don't I just go do that? Real simple. Just, just go in and just do that. Let's, why don't I do something that makes sense? Um, me living in the Northeast is something I'm always very sensitive to because every year I hear brothers and sisters complain about the weather, you know, when the, when the cold sets in. You know, and again, like, of course, we're, like I always say, we're not a people of memory. So every every spring and summer, everybody forgets that they said last winter. Every winter you hear, but man, it's my last winter. I'm moving. I ain't staying here no more. I hate this cold. I da, 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 da. And then the spring breaks and it's you you happy again. Everybody's back on what they on and 
driving around with their cars rolled down, windows rolled down, and the music blasting. And summer, we just having all the fun in the world, and we hanging out at the park. Fall hit, starts to get a little cool. It ain't too bad. But then around October, when the heat has to be turned on, yo, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm getting ready to move down south. It starts all over again. I'm going to Florida. I'm looking at Tampa, you know. <laughs> and to, so it's like, it's, it's, it's very, I mean, I'm laughing at it, but it's almost sad, the, the lack of memory there, in a sense. Um, but how difficult would it be in that sense to say, okay, you know, I am going to go to where I function best. If I find that during the summer months or those warm months, I'm I'm functioning at a at a more optimum uh capacity. Why don't I just go to where I can always function at an optimum capacity? Where I don't have to make all of these these, you know, compensatory um provisions for when it gets cold and when I'm gonna be miserable and go through the seasonal depression and this, that, 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 and the third. Uh why don't I just go to where I would be happy? You know, and it's some very simple questions. And I know those are the unpopular ones. You know, when I talk about stuff like this is when the numbers go down. I even get thumbs down on shows like this. Now, right now, everything that I've been talking about, there's no reason. There's nothing to thumb down. There's nothing. It's gonna, this show's going to get thumbed down. <laughs> I haven't said anything controversial. I haven't, you know, spoken my language. No one's called. And I... And I set them straight in a very direct way. But I know where people start to feel uncomfortable and get, and really get upset. When you start hitting them with sometimes with some very basic truths, they get upset, you know, because they lock themselves into, and social engineering does that. They lock themselves into certain modalities of thinking where it can only be this or that. And I deal with that so often in my spiritual work um, I still get people sometimes and they come with those. It's not as often, but maybe new people. My family's cursed. Somebody put a hex on my family. Who? Well, you know, that's when it starts to get shabby. You can tell by, by the way people explain things that they don't know what they're talking about. So that's why I ask questions. But then, and I might bring that up to them and say, you know, I'll say, okay, well, who put the hex on your family? Well, chief, it's a long story. As soon as they say something like that, then you know it's not even real. It's a long story, but my my family's from Cameroon, or my family's from here, my family's from there. Where I'm from, they do that stuff a lot. That doesn't answer the question. I just asked you who. Who did this? Well, you know, I have an uncle who cheated on his wife, and, you know, their family, his wife's family was real upset with us, and, you know... I know that they do those type of things. Okay, but did, did they? Who actually did it? You see, it'll just keep going in circles and circles and circles and circles. And then I might say something like this. Is it a possibility that there is no family curse and that things have not been working out for you because you just haven't been doing what you're supposed to do? Is that possible? Oh, then you hear them, they start, they get exasperated. Oh, like, because now it's like, I'm not listening, you know, oh, Okay, let me all right, let me try to explain it like this. Nah, you already explained it. I get it. But I asked a question, a simple question. You know, and it, it just goes <laughs> it goes in circles and circles like that, you know, for a long time because people cannot imagine anything outside of um with their lack of information would really 
want to lead them to believe it has to be this. It can't be that I was doing something wrong. It can't be that um, this is just life. It can't be that I don't understand how life moves. It always has to be that, you know, someone is consistently waiting to do something to me. You know, so I mean, I'm just giving a very small uh, example in that sense. I'm, I'm giving a very small example, but that's something I I, I kind of deal with a lot. And there's been times I've even gotten rid of clients behind that because they can't, they can't leave that mode. We'll discuss it. I'll break it down. I'll show it logically. They'll say, this makes so much sense. You're right. Next time they call me, they'll be right back on it because the programming always just lends them back. You're, gonna, you're only going to be able to do that to me about two, three times before I say, listen, I think you need to go, go work with somebody else. You know, because I, I can't keep having conversations based around insanity because then I'll go insane. That's not the quality of discourse that I want in my life. You know, I don't, I don't care what your offering is. It, that's not what I want in my life. So you need to go work with someone else who will support that kind of insanity. And I know people could say, well, maybe there is a curse. And maybe, you know, but again, where do you get these ideas from? Family curse. Most of most of you get that out of the Bible, you know, or from a movie. What is a curse exactly? What is a hex exactly? How is it done? How long does it last? How does it manifest itself? You see, we can take these very broad things and apply them to anything um, to justify why things may be happening for us, to us, or why we're making certain things happen. Sometimes we conjure up our own hexes. I've had that conversation so many times with clients. And when a person is, is locked into the grips and the throes of that type of thinking, it's very hard to say things directly to them. Like, listen, there is no curse. This is you. That's really the answer, but it's it's hard to just to just say that directly like that because they could literally their mind might snap from hearing something that direct, that truthful, that direct. They could just snap, you know, because you know that's why even like when you do divination, a lot of times um, I always tell people don't just ask your oracle for this or that because there may be a third possibility that is outside of your current um, level of consciousness. So you may say, should I move to Tampa or should I move to Portland or is there a better place for me to go? So ask three questions, you know, because the two things that you may imagine, because sometimes we only work with that duality and we feel that um, the best possible solutions only exist right in the um, basic space, <laughs> the basic space of our thinking. And we couldn't imagine that there might be a higher eye or a higher vision, you know. Vivid Eye Publications has been thinking about that topic for a minute. Actually, the main thing that comes to mind is to start or establish my family and a community and elevate our quality of life. Yeah. I've been talking to brothers about that for years now, even bought land to do that. How hard is it? Why continue to... to work within a situation where you're running from crisis to crisis and by the time you're done with, with it all, you're still not going to be happy at the end of the day. Years ago, I had helped a young man who I was serving as a jegna for 
Um, I well, I pretty much bought the car, but you know, I did a, a thing with him. You know, you come up with half, I'll pay the other half, right? Um, he was entering into school, and um, you know, he needed he needed some transportation. So, you know, I had spoke to to his aunt. You know, his family didn't really have money. They, you know, they were they were struggling. So, you know, and I had I practically raised him. He was with me for a long time, and um, we were looking at different rides and stuff. And I said, now you you can get a hoop. We we can get you a bucket. But I said, considering you have a half, you have an investor that's going to put up 50% of what you put into the car, you should get something that you actually like because we're not getting anything new. He, he was like, well, I could finance a car. I said, no, that'd be stupid. Don't lock yourself into slavery. You're too young to be a slave. So I said, no, you, we're going to get you something used. We'll make sure that it's, it's right and everything like that. You don't need anything all that flashy, whatever, you know. But So we're going through it. You know, and I said, but get whatever you get, make sure you like it. Make sure, you know, if you want a sunroof, get a sunroof. If you want a black car, because you think black is whatever it is, you get the black car. Or you want a stick shift, get the stick. Because the thing is, if you get an older car, we probably get something that's 10 to 12 years old or older. Um, But when you get this, this vehicle, you may have little breakdowns. You may have little issues that you have to do. And if you have to work on a car, by the time you work on it, you do some work on it, and then you take it out to the yard, you know, you wax it, you clean it, you want to be able to turn around and look at it and say, you know what, I had to go through all that, but I like my little car. I like my car. I said, you don't want to have to be doing all kinds of repairs and still be, you know, getting into a car that you're embarrassed to get into when you leave the parking lot. You wait until the, the girl parked next to you, <laughs> you know, and a little accurate, whether when she pulls off, then you get in your car, you know. So I know it's a very small, um, it's a very small idea, or it's a very small thought. But you know, having that value, you know, being able to have live in a place even where you can dig your feet in, you know. Sometimes we fight and we fight and we fight for a certain level of happiness, or to be in a certain space, and then we turn around and live in a place where. We don't have a sense of ownership. We don't have a sense of comfort. We don't have a sense of relaxation where we're at. We don't feel like we can dig our feet in and be a part of the actual community. We're still very isolated. You know, so it's just like that as well, you know. And um, when we really talk about building community or nation building or doing something beyond what those who came before us did, we're going to have to make some of those hard decisions, man. Some of those maybe even possibly unpopular decisions, and it's going to cause some level of of research, maybe even. You know, I can't tell you how many men I speak to say, "I don't like it here. I ain't making no money," and this and that and that. And I say, "Why don't you move to the Caribbean? You know, set up a passive stream of income here with U.S. dollars and move somewhere where it's cheaper to live. Move to Uruguay. Move to Guatemala. Go to Costa Rica for for a year or two. So you get your money on, uh, you know, get your money in order. Oh, man, I yeah, I guess I could. But uh, and then the excuses start. You've localized yourself. You know, I'm going to go through some of the comments and I'm going to speak. Shasha says those who choose not to change hate to hear it and will complain when those speaking the requirements are not readily available. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it is it is a fear of change sister you know um absolutely a fear of things changing 
And sometimes the social programming is so strong that fear mechanism is 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 overpowering, you know, and it really takes, you know, so when we talk about being a, an alpha, a lot of times we have this image and this idea that um, I've said this so many times, you know, um, you take someone like Shah Gazulu, killed more, to, more of his own people than he did of the enemy. Sometimes you got to do those purges. It's not always, you know, we like to tell these stories about our greatness a lot of times and stuff, but <laughs> sometimes it's not just you got all these strong men who get conscious and they say, all right, come on, we're going to take our families and do this. Sometimes it's, it's a get down or lay down type situation. You know, um, I remember uh, this is a lot of years ago, I, I was helping with, I was helping this brother um, get his, he had this little, he was trying to get this little indie label off the ground. At the time I had my indie label, we were doing pretty well. And he was a good friend of mine. He was a, he was an engineer for years and he was trying to get into owning his own label. So, you know, I was teaching him, you know, little, little tricks I learned along the way and stuff like that, how to actually make money doing it, you know? And, um, you know, he was, he had these CD back, back then it was CDs. So he had these CDs and whatnot. And I was like, yo, you got to be to the point, man, where you be willing to go door to door and sell them. You have to kind of put that kind of mentality in your mind, you know, that you you would be willing to, you know, they're, they're a commodity. Don't just look at them like, you're, they're, like they're your art. Look at it like it's any other commodity where you're selling whistles, you know, toy guns or, or hula hoops or shawls or vacuums. Just look at it like it's a commodity. You're going to have to be able to separate yourself from the art. In that sense, you know, and um, I was like, and you think about the different ways that you would pitch what it is that you're doing in that sense, but you got to almost take on that do or die type of thinking. So there was a brother who he had wanted to get down with him um, to help himself. Another another good friend of ours who wasn't really doing anything. And I was like, you could have him be a part of your sales staff, right? Because he's real good, real friendly. A lot of people know him, real popular you know, back in the days, he had this little, um, like, online, not online, I'm sorry, uh, local cable TV access show. So, you know, he had a little, people know him. You know, he still parties and stuff. So I was like, yeah, see if he'll, if he'll, you know, help you. He'll help move some of these CDs. So, you know, he went over there, and we were talking to him. He was like, nah, man, I'm trying to do this and do that. I said, listen, this is what we're going to do. I said, either you can you can get down with, with, with his label, you can help sell these CDs. I said, you could do that. Or tomorrow, he and I can stand on the corner of your block and sell crack. Choice is up to you. Either I said, I was like, either one I'm fine with. I said, so either you can take this box of CDs and um, you can sell them, or we will be here tomorrow morning on your corner selling crack. You know, <laughs> Yeah, he's a friend of ours, so he kind of was giggling it off, but I wasn't giggling. <laughs> so it was like, all right, I know I know Bob is a little crazy. So is he serious or is this another one of his jokes? Because people know I, I, I can do pranks, keep my, my face straight for a long time. But he wasn't sure. But he took some boxes of CDs and he sold them. Well, his girlfriend sold them. Let me say what it really happened. She sold them. You know, but um, sometimes it's a get down or lay down type situation. It's it's not always as smooth and as pretty as we would like it to be, you know. Um, 
So yeah, man, that fear piece is is real key. But sometimes it's gonna be that gorilla <laughs> that stands up in the mist. You know, gorillas in the mist, right? It's gonna be that gorilla that stands up out of the crew and says, "No, if we don't do this, we're gonna die." Like Shaga Zulu, if we don't change our fighting techniques, the British are gonna kill us. Period. And I don't have time to sit here and explain this to you. You know, even though he still had to go to the elders. He couldn't just hard rock everybody. He was, hard, he was able to hard rock some people, but even as a chief, he still had to get the approval of the elders because that's just how it goes. You see, there's still a protocol, but sometimes we're afraid to do that. You know, we're afraid to look at our families in the face and say, listen, we're moving. We're, we're, we're going to Costa Rica or, or we're going to Panama or, or Ecuador or wherever, you know, where it's cheaper to live and where I can grow any anything. And no, you're not going to see us this Thanksgiving. There's this thing called Skype and we can Skype video chat. All right. That's what we're going to do. You're upset. And I'm sure you are upset. But what you're giving me right now is not going to keep me alive. You know, it's not going to keep me alive. I got to move. You see. I tell people that all the time, man, you know, a lot of times when people, and I'm not saying don't love your families or anything, but sometimes people are hyper loyal to families who haven't really done anything for them. Do the math a little bit. I've heard that at times, you know, I've spoken to different sisters who've wanted mates and I said, well, why don't you move to where the people are? You live in the middle of nowhere. Oh, well, cause you know, my family don't want me to move. Yeah. Well, your family also didn't, didn't arrange a marriage for you. So they blew that. You know, it's a contract. So you got to be able to move beyond those titles, man. You got to be able to move beyond titles. Yeah, I know. I know it feels like, you know, he said he was going to break down the sciences of social engineering. And he's telling me I need to reevaluate my positioning in, in, in in the American landscape. I'm going to give you what you need to get when you need to get it, and you're going to take it the way I'm giving it. Rachel Rodriguez says, and Rachel, let me ask you this question, Rachel. I noticed you've been popping up in the chat lately. Are you the Rachel Rodriguez, my Rachel Rodriguez, I could be wrong, for my Rights of Passage program that's been in my program for years now? I'm just curious because you don't have a picture on your avatar and I have a young lady. um, Well, I guess who would you be now? You'd be about 18, 19 now um, for my program named Rachel Rodriguez, Rodriguez, excuse me, Rodriguez, excuse me. And I'm wondering if it's you, if it's not, you know, no big deal, but just curious if it's the same one. Um, so Rachel Rodriguez says, I'm one of those people that blames everything on me. It's my fault. I should. Maybe everything is your fault. <laughs> you know, it, it, it might, you might be on the right path. It might all be your fault. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we make a lot of mistakes. It's just hard to imagine. You know, I've heard people say that to me before. Uh, I remember being in a relationship with someone who used to do a lot of foul stuff all the time. And I was like, you know, you don't even say a sorry when you say you don't even apologize. And she was like, you know, well, I get tired of saying I'm sorry all the time. So that was the reason. Instead of not, well, I don't do that much wrong stuff. No, I'm just getting tired of saying sorry for it. I know I'm I'm doing a lot of foul stuff. 
of course, I had to get rid of her. But, you know, um, sometimes you are making a lot of moves that are wrong. That's one of the hard things, right, when we come into consciousness and people see how we eat and how we talk and how we move. And, and you know, they'll say, well, wait a minute. The way you talking, it's like I can't eat anything. No, there's plenty of things that you can eat, but you just live within a social paradigm where everything that's been put in front of you is wrong. But it's hard to you, for you to believe that there's not this loving parental affection that comes from the greater society, that they would just give you 99 wrong things to do. It's just hard for you to imagine that. So it's the same thing with ourselves. Sometimes we do do a lot of wrong things. And sometimes you got to pull back and reevaluate your life and start from the rooter to the tutor. What am I wearing on my feet? What's on the crown of my head? What's coming out of my mouth? What am I eating? What do I do for a living? What do I spend the majority of my time doing? You might make your own list and find that out of 100 things that you do in one day, 85 of them are wrong. Okay, no problem. Just means you got some work to do. No big deal. There's no reason why you have to, you know, um, kind of throw your hands up and holler and, and quit. Michelle joked and said, Chief basically just offended the entire island of the Dominican Republic in Haiti. People sell hexes and curses there like food trucks in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Aggressive ignorance is a powerful thing, man. Aggressive ignorance is a powerful thing. But whether I'm selling, you know, cures for hexes and curses or I'm selling pills that you can eat, you know, where you can lose 20 pounds in one week, what's the difference? You know, we all have our form, you know, of um, of escapism. We all have our form of abdication where we abject our responsibility onto someone else, you know, or on, onto something else. In every society, you have that. So you start to realize that that is one of the flaws of, of the human consciousness. That is one of the flaws of human nature. I didn't eat the apple. The girl that you gave me, she gave me the apple and I ate it. You heard that one before, right? Or gave me the fruit, not the apple. The woman you gave me gave me the fruit, and then I ate it. Did you eat it? Yes or no? It's a yes or no question. You know, that's, see, if I was in the garden, that's what I would have said. I'd say, oh, stop. Ask you a yes or no question. Did requires yes or no. Adam, did you eat it? <laughs> Play games with me. You know, so I'm <laughs> just saying and Marva um, Van Newton says, Sister Michelle, that's just a few that that happens when the injection of truth is administered. Many of us are so afraid of change like a death sentence. It is a death sentence. That's exactly what it is. It's death. You know, my youth won over. I don't know if you guys remember the whole um, told you. One day my my youth was here and he was getting into this debate with this little Christian girl. She was whipping his tail. So they they had another debate and but this time, you know, I was feeding him the cues. She won't listen to this show, so she'll never find out. Um and she's three years older than him, you know. And he won her over and it was a subject around death. And she kept saying, Well, no one will know the truth until we die. And I said, Yeah, she sound, she sounds like a slave. You know, no one will be happy until we die. And the by and by, you know, so I said, she was like, well, what is that? And I broke down death. I said, tell her this. And um, 
she went on Snapchat. I was like, oh, my God, this guy is amazing. I didn't know my friend knew all this stuff all this time. I'm over here crying. And I'm like, I don't even know why you patting yourself on the back. That's She's, she's talking about me, but we'll, it's our little secret, you know. But now she wants to learn about the Yoruba tradition. So she wants to, to come by and, and talk to me. And, you know, he's going to show her how to do some rituals and stuff like that. You know, so she wants to learn. She, she's open now, you know, but it sparked from conversation about death. And he was saying, well, you know, right now you're dying because I'm changing your mind. I'm opening your mind up. And this is when we talk about Jesus will come and crack the sky and the dead in Christ will rise. Well, you've been dead to the truth of your own sight. So this, the sky cracking the sky represents the ceiling of your awareness. And I'm cracking it right now as we're talking. So you're dying but you're going to rise again, but you're going to rise again in your Krishna state or your Christ state or your aware state. And people are absolutely afraid of that. You know, like you said, people are afraid of that death sentence because, you know, what am I going to rise back in? I don't know. So I'm, I'm afraid. But the truth is, if you've invested into your, your consciousness, and you've stayed rooted and grounded in that. You rise back in your consciousness. That's where we talk about rising in Christ. The dead in Christ will rise. You know. And and you got to look at Christ as a state. Not as a like a person who covers you. So let's just say. Even if you want to take the, the word Christ. Replace it with awareness. The dead and awareness will, will rise. Right. Just keep it simple for you. That's not what the word Christ means, but I'm just giving you an easy connotation because it works the same way. It works there the same exact way. Enlightenment, the dead and enlightenment, the dead and self-actualization will arise. You're rising in self-actualization. You're rising in enlightenment. You're rising in awareness. You see, if that has been your lifetime projection and investment, and for so many, it hasn't been that. So your death is going to represent your life. The way you live is the way you're going to die. And the way you live and the way you die is the way you're going to resurrect. Now, every day you're supposed to resurrect. Each day when you start your day new, you know, like that's why we say that phrase in Yoruba, the ori that leaves, leaves the farm in the dawning, leaves for the house to go to the farm in the dawning, is not the ori that returns home. You know, because you're supposed to be changing and growing on a daily basis. You see, you're supposed to be changing and growing on a daily basis, you know, so that's the death. So the old you died. And I had him break that down. I tell her that the whole, you know, he told me her name said, type this, tell her, you know, the old you is dead and the new you is now awake and this and that and that and that. And she's gotten a lot of this from her father, you know, who's been teaching her. And um, my youth was hyped because I was like, well, you know, you know, that's your woman now. And he was like, huh? I was like, yo, she's yours now. That's your woman. He was like, no, we're friends. I was like, I ain't friends no more. <laughs> Not after today. She's yours. Because no one is ever going to say anything that fly to her probably for the next 20 years. That's your woman. You're going to be the standard that she's going to compare all of, Even though she's older than him, she's, she's 17. You know, even though she's older. I said, yeah, she's an older girl and all that. But you are now represent the standard that she's going to compare all other guys to. That's your woman. She's on Snapchat and Twitter talking about you and she putting screenshots of the conversation and stuff like that. You know, she's yours now. <laughs> you know, so we had a long, 
we had even longer talk about that and how you, you know, how you represent your, yourself to women and what they're really looking for and what it really means for a woman to leave her father and cleave to you. You know, because I said at this point now, you've surpassed her father's wisdom. You know, so she's with you now. And, you know, that was, I think it was a good teaching moment maybe for them both, you know, to understand uh, what that science represents. And, and like, I told him that also because I said, so now you got to catch up because you were stealing all of my stuff. So now when you see him, so now everything that I said to her, you got to get heavier on your studies. So when you talk, you, you know, you don't sound stupid. Because, of course, my other youth was like, because they were all on a group chat. And he was like, this sounds like Baba. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, tell him to shut up. Like, don't blow it up for you. That wouldn't be right. You know, but he wasn't trying to come at her like that. But sometimes it's important for teachers to understand that when you do present that, that in many ways, like I've said, even on our new, you, you tend to become a surrogate husband. You know, even if you're not trying to do that or you're not trying to come at the sisters like that, you know, um, it's a very natural thing. And like I told him, it's, it's natural, man. She's going to be all on you now, man. You know, you're a fighter. You're you over here winning fights. You know, you, you're, you're brilliant. You know, you're, you're great, top-notch. You know, and then, and on top of that, you're conscious. She's not going to find anything like you. Probably not because she's like 30, 35 years old. Let's give it some thought. All right. Oh, Rachel, okay, it's not you. No, Chief, I'm a newbie. Okay, I figured as much, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to get confirmation on that. I thought you might have been one of my old uh, rights of passage students, though, Rachel. I need to reach out to her anyway, see how she's doing. Sweet, sweet little uh, little girl. Brother Anwar says, uh, that's very interesting that you stated return on investment. My father told me a long time ago that I'm too good for this world. The return for my actions have always been my issue. Yep. I would definitely ingest that info, reflect, and look for a solution. Pataki about Obatala eats the head has stuck with me. That's Anwar speaking because I had mentioned earlier about return on investment. Yeah, you know, it, it, it becomes a very careful and tricky balance in that sense. You know, not expecting, doing without expectation in terms of the, what you want to do for people or the work that you want to do in the world. You know, being able to do it without expectation, but at the same time, recognizing your own personal standard, you know, at the same time, recognizing um, when you're being appreciated from when you're not being appreciated, you know, um, because you come in with an energy on while where, you know, there's a certain excitement, you know, and you see sometimes when you see what people don't see, it becomes dangerous in that sense. You know, you may meet a person and you see certain value in them, right? I, I'll give you a good example. We use the same thing with my youth. I told him the amount of conversations I had with the sister before he dropped the subject. And at one point he did. They were going back and forth. And I'm hitting him. I said, here. I sent a picture to him. I said, forward this to her. It was a picture of um, Heru and Osset and Jesus and Mary. And I said, ask her what she thinks of that. Bring up the Council of Nicaea, 325 AD, and all the subsequent councils. This not, and she's just coming back with dumb answer after dumb answer. And I'm, when I mean dumb, there was just no thought put into it. That's your opinion. That's, I said, okay. I said, say about two more things and then tell her this is going nowhere and cut the conversation short. You're going to have to swallow that and then swallow your pride. So he did that. And then she came back later. That's how it happens. Just a couple of days later, 
he comes down there, kicked the door in, the back door, and he was like, because I was, I was um, working in the back. He said, Bobby, you're not gonna believe what's happening. I'm thinking something major. He was like, Yo, look at this. She's telling me she wants to learn. I said, Huh? He said, Yeah, we've been going back today, and she went back to the old text and this and that and that, you know. Um, and I said, Okay. He was like, Yo, but I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess it up. What should I say? So, you know, because he had already been going back and forth with her, you know. So there is a time when you when you have to look, you know, I'm talking to Anwar about that return on investment. There's a time when sometimes you do have to pull back and say, you know what, this isn't this isn't healthy, this isn't productive, this isn't going anywhere. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Um, I saw some other stuff in here. Chisa says, my aunt stated it's like a bear in the woods making steps with no footprints. Will one continue to step with leaving no prints? I don't. Yeah. When you live in a society where you can't establish a legacy, that's essentially what you're doing. I'm not telling everybody to get up and move to Africa. But it wouldn't be a bad idea. Um... <laughs> Michelle says, Chief, now he has to rise up to your standard. Exactly. You know, you know, I told you I'm a consummate schemer. You know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, with each person, you have to kind of learn how to motivate them. Like I told you, with youth, it's the same way. Some some are motivated by competition. Some are motivated just by positive encouragement. You know, so... Um, Vivid Eye says, one of my favorite anime characters has a has a mode called Sage Mode. In training, he was told he must die in order to achieve it. Yeah. Dietrich's got a question. Got a quick question. I got a reading, and Aoife said I have to learn to admit defeat in order to learn humility. It also said that I must establish, establish respect by charging and bartering my server instead of favors how do I deal with admitting defeat and realizing things in my current state but still have a high standard well I'm going to say two things Dietrich did you ask the person who gave you the reading that question start there did you ask them and ask for their interpretation on it matter of fact I'm going to ask that and I'm going to wait for your answer before I even answer it I don't want to step on anything. So he also says later, it also spoke about going to Ifa with faith and prayer. I told the Baba I suck at both because I do things myself all the time. He said, I got to learn to pray. I don't pray, I affirm. DJ, I ain't getting in the middle of this. <laughs> so I mean, let me just let me just put that out there right now. You know, I'm not getting in the middle of this. I already see this is <laughs> yeah. You work that out with that brother. You say I'm having trouble imposing my will and admitting defeat. What am I missing? Mm-mm. He's telling you how to do one thing, but you're using my sciences to respond to him. Yeah, I've taught you about not praying but affirming. Now I don't want it to be. I don't want to go against you know. I don't want it to be me against him in that sense like that. You know, uh, slippery slope. This is a slippery slope. <laughs> slippery slope, man. You need to ask him to, you know, if you can get a little bit more clarity 
on actual methods. Like you said, you said, uh, I have to learn to admit defeat in order to learn humility. Well, it's real easy. Admit defeat. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's there's more to this. Like you, you, There's not a lot of information here. Um, so if I was to really respond to it, I would have to give more information. I would have to give more information about you based on what I know about you. But I have a feeling that that may conflict with what that Baba told you. And you know, you know how I am about that. I don't like to, um, I don't like to mess up people's learning paths, even if I don't agree with what they're being taught. Doesn't matter. If if you got somebody who's taking out time to help you and teach you things, then that's what it is, <laughs> you know. But um, I would just say I did a show on humility. You know, learn what humility is a little bit more. Um, I can say, Dietrich, that you can be a little, um, what's the word? Ram-headed. That's the word. You can be a little ram-headed at times. Um, Once you want to go in a direction, it's very hard to get you to realize that that direction is not working for you. You just keep kind of going and going and going until you fight yourself tired. You know, um, I will say that. Um, you asked the question, how do I deal with admitting, admitting defeat, realizing things in my current state, but still have a high standard? Well, those things are not related to each other. That's why I said it's kind of a tricky question. Admitting defeat has nothing to do with the high standard. In fact, admitting defeat could be a part of you having a high standard because you're, you're big enough to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take the higher moral road and be able to admit defeat. Like that's a, that's a higher that's a higher standard activity. And I know you just called it more background. Let me hear it, Dietrich. Oh, and I was just, I was calling to listen that way, uh I, in case my phone uh went to sleep, I it, I wouldn't have to keep coming back to YouTube. But yeah, oh, um Yeah. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was curious. <laughs> I was a boy boy about by the way, too. I'm well. I'm doing well. Doing well. Okay. Good. Anything or Dara. Anything or Dara. But yeah, um, yeah, it was um, Ophum. That was the head of do, and I, and it was talking about what you exactly what you said, and I know I'm like that. Like I've I got a bad habit of that. Like I'm. You know, I'm 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 all about self actualizing, doing everything myself, and what really kind of threw me was the prayer and faith piece he said. I'm like, I, I suck at that. I am terrible at prayer and faith because I, if I don't feel, if, I don't, if I'm not doing it myself, I feel it won't get done. And he was saying, well, Ephi not saying that. Ephi is saying to have faith in Ephi. And I'm like, man, I don't, you know, don't want to dip back into that. So I just want to see your insight on that. I know it was talking the past couple of weeks. It, everything that was in the reading was covered. But when he said that, I'm like, okay, how do I take the information that I got and apply it in a way that it can be effective? Because, you know, it's the same thing. It's like a hurry up and wait situation. And I was okay, trying to figure well, out, okay, from my, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to do it in a way so that it's safe for me, your Baba, and yourself. He said you have to have more faith in Ephah and you have to learn to pray a bit more. Benny. What is 
Hello, I, I, you cut out. What you say? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I asked. I said, "What is prayer?" Prayer, from from my definition and from what I learned from you, prayer is begging. That's it. Because I I know what I did a begging? show prayer, and I know I, I that show was like over an hour, so I know it took me longer than an hour. I, I didn't say just begging. Because <laughs> I could have said that. No, it's, five <laughs> no, it's more than that. But it's begging for something else to to assist you. You know, so I'm like, okay, I, I don't really deal with the prayer thing. Like I I've I, I've wired that out of my mind a long time ago. I deal with affirming, and when I affirm okay. something, I make active steps to do it. So when he when the when the Bible said that, I'm like, man, I, this is gonna be a challenge for me because E5 saying pray. So I'm like, okay, so you pay him? attention to what. The, did you ask him to define what the word prayer means? No. I said, okay. I ain't going to do all that. First red mark. That's your first red mark, first problem. Mm. Okay. Now, he said you have to have more faith. and you, well, you have to have faith in Ifa. What is Ifa? What is that? Ifa is a, is, a, is, is a divination system that derives from studying the forces of nature. Okay, so that's also another wrong answer. So you should have asked him what Ifa is. Now we're going to go to the other one. What is faith? <laughs> faith. Faith is, is a confidence in knowing that things will... Faith, faith, faith is just... Well, nah, let me be quiet. I don't know. Okay, there we go. Here we go. There's the problem. That was it right there. So you you know how a lot of times y'all ask me questions and I'll say, wait a minute, hold on. I can't answer that because it, the question doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You, even though you're talking to a Baba, if you have a different set of working definitions than he does, then find out what makes sense to him in those areas first. So, like, let's say if I got a reading by him. Now, I know what the word prayer means and this and that and that. But I don't know, because I know I'm I'm working with kind of a different kind of mind. If somebody says, well, I'm going to pray for you, it may be something different than what I'm working with. So if I might have even got a reading from him, I might say, okay, you know, brother, how, how do you perceive prayer? Like, well, how, should I, how should I do that? And then he might say, oh, go recite these orikis. Oh, okay, no problem. Because I know that Arikis are not prayers. Even by word definition, they're not prayers. I know that. But I'll say, okay, thank you, Baba. <laughs> you know, but get those working definitions. If he says have faith in Ifa, I'm going to say, well, what is Ifa? Because I, I need to kind of understand what, what his mind is saying, even if I know. Let, let's say, okay, let's say like, if, all right, here, here's an easy one, too. Let's say if you did the reading for me, because I do that with students sometimes. Sometimes we, we, you know, I'm training them. They'll do readings and things like that. And they may use words that I know that they don't fully understand. But I'm not going to mess up the flow of the reading. I mean, wait a minute. I'm not going to turn it into a, into a classroom. So they may say, oh, Baba, I, I had a dream or something. And it told me that you need to, you need to lay at your shrines more. And I'll, I'll ask. Do you physically mean that I need to lay down in front of my shrines? Is that what you're talking about? It could be that. They may say, no, I mean, like, you need to go to your shrines more. Well, what do you mean, like, go to them? 
do and do what? So you see, I'm going to break it down in a way so that way I'm getting beyond the word. Because we might mean two totally different things when we say in the words. You see what I'm saying? And ultimately, he gave you information ultimately that you didn't understand anyway. Because you didn't understand the context of the words that he was he was utilizing. So you still don't know what that reading means. Now, if I explain it to you, based on what you just said to me, if I say this is what it means, I would be doing something wrong because the way he's defining those words and I, the way I'm defining those words are two different things. So now I would leave I would lead you in a completely different direction. If if someone told me I need to pray more, right? And I really accepted the idea that I need to pray, the first thing I'm going to be thinking is who did I offend? Because if I'm praying, if I'm begging and I'm petitioning of something, somehow I've crossed a, a line. I I offended something, whether it be a force or whether it be a, a person because of what I know about the word prayer. But they might mean in their mind, they might be saying, no, when I say pray, I mean like you need to be more spiritual. Oh, okay. That's what he said. <laughs> <see, so> <laughs> there we go. Look at that. There we go. <laughs> now, now, this, now that's Ifa scratched. Now we're going underneath it. Now we're seeing what's underneath the layer of the word. You need to be more spiritual. Now, my next question would have been, could you give me an example? Because does that mean I need to wear my leques more? Does it mean I need to light more candles and meditate in front of my pots more? Do I need to pour out more libations? What does that mean for each person? You know. So, yeah, that's what said. I it, that's a, that's a that's a tricky question, man. You got to go back and get some of the qualifiers of those words, and. Sometimes that's a challenge with brothers. You know, we we think we know something, and then the person will say, "Well, wait up, wait up. Maybe the person didn't mean that exactly." Okay, okay, I, I, I can I can accept that. But let's just say they did, and then we'll we'll formulate a whole plan based off of off of that assumptive. So I would say, man, go back and get the con if you, if you if you're able to go back, but get some concrete definitions. And if you're not able to go back and get the concrete definitions. Get the concrete definitions yourself and then function from that place going forward. There's nothing inherently wrong with praying. It's just the way that we use it and we do it, we pray wrong. We don't know when to actually apply apply praying. But it's, it's not inherent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I I'm I was saying that that's what I that's I guess that's what I have a problem with. I don't quite I don't quite know the proper context to do it. Because um, I was I, the whole while he was saying it, and I was like, okay, don't be dumb. Listen to what he's saying. Like first, you got to speak his language. I know what he. I, I think I know what he means by prayer, and it's basically mm. around the same uh, frame of mind that you had said. You know, what's praying to to him? That's the important thing because he's the one doing the divine, and uh, what's faith within the context of what he means. Cause I know that he don't look at faith the same way I do, based off what I've been taught, and I know he don't look but at it's too much assumptive. Too much assumptive, because as soon as you say, basically, 
And I've had you do that on earlier shows where you've called and said, okay, so basically you're saying this. I may say simple things, but ain't nothing I'm saying basic. As soon as I hear people say basically, that means I know they missed everything I just said. Or they'll say things like, all right, so basically you're trying to say this. When have I ever tried to say anything? You know what I mean? So it's the same thing with this brother. When you say, well, basically he means it. You don't know what he basically means. No, don't do that. Throw that out. Don't do that. <laughs> Find out exactly what he's saying to you. And I'm, t- I'm not saying that just because, oh, it's you, Dietrich, and you're not at my level. I'm saying if I got a reading tomorrow by this brother, I would do the same thing. If he's using so I'm not going to assume anything, not one thing, nothing. If there's any type of room in, in, the vocab- in the language and the vernacular for ambiguity, I'm not going to assume anything because you know what? Some people do know some stuff. You know, some people know stuff. And he might expand... He may use the wrong word, let's say, for instance, but he may expand your understanding on something. You know, and he may say something and it may not be the right word to use, but the, the thought and the sentiment may be next level. You know, so just like Ifa, we scratch, scratch that Babalao's head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Scratch the temple of his head and say, well, hold on, Baba. Uh, I need you to open that up a little bit more for me. You said something. I must need to scratch that word that you just said. I need a little bit more here. But don't do any of those assumptive. Well, basically, he probably meant this. And I'm thinking, why are you thinking? It's a reading. You're not supposed to be thinking. Don't think. <laughs> not doing a reading. Uh uh-uh. uh. You're supposed to be meditating, not thinking. You know, yeah, so. I guess I can... yeah. Go ahead, brother. I'm listening. No, I guess I didn't want to. I didn't want to offend him by asking him that. You know, some, well, you know, some people get offended when they they think you they think you playing with them, trying to call them stupid. Like, what you mean by prayer, man? You know what prayer? I, like, I didn't want to offend them because I ain't know. You know. Is he a babalow or not? Yeah, yes, he's a babalow. He ain't gonna get offended. We we have superhuman patience. That's what we're supposed to have. And I'm going to tell you something. It's a part of our 16 tenets when we get initiated to be Babalaos. We have to have patience. We're taught that. Suru. In fact, some of us have to chant for it, myself included. That was one of my instructions that every day I had to chant for Suru. Suru means patience in Yoruba. It also means patience in Hindi. It's a, it's a Hindi mantra. Suru, Suru, Suru. So that's a part of our job, man. Sometimes I've had clients that kept me down in the shrine hours after this session, man. I, by the time I get in, dinner's cold, you know, all the women asleep, and I can't even turn them over to, you know, handle nothing. They knocked out snoring, you know, and I'm over there eating some, you know, cold yams. But that's the job. That's the job So if you said well listen Baba You know I want to make sure I get this right Because sometimes I tend to Assume certain words And then I end up messing myself up Can you give me examples of what you're saying Could you break it down just a little bit more for me You know He's he's not He's not a regular person He's Baba Lau He's super He's superhuman man He's a meta human He ain't gonna get get messed up on that 
That's a part of our job. All right. All right. No, you're right. You're right. I, I, I get what's going on. I just have mm-hmm. to sharpen it up. But I, 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 now that you say that, now that you say that, and I'm taking my frame of mind and what he was saying and what Ifa was saying, it's starting to, it's starting to make sense to me now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, that means that means I, you need to go back and still talk. Can you go back and talk to him? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna call him back. He, he's 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 he, me and him kind of you know, pretty cool. I just didn't wanna I didn't wanna make it seem like I was being you know you know funny acting. I'm like, man, what you mean by prayer? Well, what you what you think I mean by prayer? Go go pray. I'm like, okay, well, I ain't wanna you know. Like, well, then you got your. You know, if he says that, okay, got it. Let's try the next one. <laughs> you know, if if he says something like that, then you know, okay, I can't I can't get this from you. You know, but trust me, if I ask a question like that and you answer me like that, then I know you just gave me a garbage reading anyway. Because you ain't got the character and spirit. See what I'm saying? So there's some things that, and I'm not telling you to dish your friend or anything like that, but I'm just saying, nah, he ain't going to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not, we're not, a, I don't want to say we're not allowed to do that, but that's not a part of our training, man. You know? And it's beautiful, too, when you have people, you have clients who are asking intelligent questions, man. Most don't, you know. So when you have someone saying, okay, I want to really understand what this faith is. I'm always hearing this word faith. Can you break it down? And don't share your perspective on it. Leave that to yourself. Don't say, well, I've learned that faith is this. So when I hear you say that, I'm trying to understand it. Don't do that. Now, that gets offensive. (laughs) You know, just listen to what he's saying. You say, what is faith? He might say, Faith is belief. Don't you don't say, well, belief is pretty much garbage. Either you know or you don't know. Why would you leave that alone? Just say, if I was sitting and getting a read and I asked him what is faith mean, he say, well, faith is believing. Believing is something that you can't see. I'm gonna say, okay, thank you, got it. <laughs> you know, I know what it means. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I don't. But now I know what he means when he says it. I don't have to assume. And everything is still cool. And I'm letting him know I'm appreciating him, man. You know, I'm appreciating your mind. You know, I really want to, I'm appreciating the reading. I really want to understand it so I can actually apply it. You know, that's, you, that's, you gotta, that's what I hit. don't bring the war, man. You know, if you're expecting a war, you're going to get a war. Don't bring the fire. <laughs> you know, you got to, you got to learn to use some of that strategy of Shango. As well in talking to people and learning, and you know what? Here's here's a real simple thing, man. Just be loving. I know it sounds real real cheesy, but like I said, you got a barber working for that's my brother. I don't even know this guy who's working with you, but he's my brother nonetheless, and I love him as my brother. And there's a brotherhood there, and I'm not talking about because we're brothers in Nephi. He's my brother, period. So, and I love him. So I'm not immediately, if I'm getting a reading by him, that love that I have for him is going to come through in the very tone of my words. I'm not going to be so concerned about, he may take it this way, he may take it that way, he may take it that way. Because then that's not family, that's not love. That's that's more conniving than anything else, man. You know, I'm going to only assume that he knows I love him. And he knows that what I'm asking 
of him is out of respect and love. You know, the fact that I'm sitting here and letting him look into my life like this is showing that there's a level of trust and respect, you know, but he's my brother. I love him. You know, and if I call him Baba, just like I call other men who have children, I call him Baba. I see them. You father, I'm father. We're in, we're in that fraternal order of fatherhood. All of us. Forget my initiations and all that. Don't even worry about none of that. You you a father? Okay, me too. Keep it there at that love that love vibe, man. Don't don't expect the war. If you do, you're gonna get it because. The, the very inflection and the tone and the cadence that you'll use will have that 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 spirit and that that saturation of hostility in it already, or that saturation of defense in them. A person is going to feel like if you know you're just ready to to defend yourself, and they're going to feel that energy. Like I said, if I go there, I get a reading. He says this, and he gives me back a wrong definite. Okay, cool. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Thank you for taking time to explain that to me and even giving me this reading. Thank you, because that's all love. Even if what you just said was wrong, at least, you, you know, you're still giving to me. How, how am I not going to appreciate that? I appreciate when old women in the street tell me they're going to pray for me. Thank you. Thank you, mother. I know you ain't praying or nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know you basically could have just said you praying to the Easter Bunny. You don't know that. But you know what? I appreciate the good intentions because the good intentions and energy is worth something. And you didn't have to. That's a loving act. Thank you so much. Or when I'm I'm somewhere and they give you those little tracks, you know, did you hear the good news, Jesus? Well, thank you, Mother. I appreciate that so much. And I read them. I read them. I read them little Jehovah Witness tracks or them little Bible tracks. I read them because it was it was given out of love. Now, is she programmed and brainwashed? And yeah, <laughs> you know, but there's still that intention of love there, man. She doesn't want me to go to hell as she sees it being in her mind. You know, so you got to move beyond the logistics, brother, man. When you get in a reading, it's a it's a very intimate thing, man. Don't be afraid to, to you know, like I said, scratch the head of the Babalao and say, I need to get more information here. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Because right. that, was, that was in there, too. <laughs> I just didn't want to be dumb. I'm like, okay. I know what he's saying, and I'm and I'm fighting with and you and you absolutely right because I was fighting within myself because I'm like I know what he's saying, but I know what it mm. means to me. So how do I within my own psyche process what he just told me? Because I know he told me for a reason. He didn't t- he didn't tell me that for nothing. Right. So okay, I, right. I, I, I didn't want to. That's why that's why I didn't ask him. Like okay, that that those two words was used because it triggered something in you. So instead of you being dumb and be like, okay, I'm going to go pray to my E5, like, like I'm praying to Jesus or something. Like, no, nah, he don't mean that. And a lot of stuff that E5 was saying, like, come under the, like, I have a, apparently I have a problem with authority. And I'm like, okay, I get what E5 is saying now. Like, I, I get it. I just want to, mm-hmm. like, when people give me information, I want to take it and process it based off how I was trained, not so much as what they were saying, because people have been speaking in code to me, like, for the past, I don't know, two months. So like they'll say something, and I'll know what it means based off of how I was trained on it, and I just you right. know that that's the conflict that I have within myself. That's why that's why I didn't ask him. I'm like, okay, it's the reason no, he said that. Conflict. So that's not a conflict, man. But just understand everything doesn't have to go one way. That's what I was just speaking about earlier. 
you know, like if 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 I had that reading, he said you need to have more faith in Ifa. I know what that means. And there's Patakis that speak about that specifically. This person needs to have more faith in Ifa. But I also know that okay, even when I'm back home in Nigeria and I'm sitting with an elder and we might cast Ifa, I still know chances are my understanding of faith or love or whatever is probably different than his. Especially if he's retranslating those those odus to me in English for my benefit. Right. Then I already know whatever he's saying technically ain't right anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this technically this stuff this stuff miss, missing off the rip. So this, this it doesn't have to be one way where it says, Well, love is this and it does. No, I'm gonna try to learn what he's saying and I'm also gonna have what I have and between the two of those things, the truth will rise. You know, so he may, you may ask him, well, what's faith? He says, faith is believe, believing in the things that, you, that you're hoping for. Right? He may say something like that. And you look at the tone and the energy of what he's saying to understand what, what faith is, what's being expressed. Sometimes things transcend words, you know, but then you still have within yourself. Because remember, when you have any of these energies come up, whether it be in dreams, readings, it's for you because it's speaking to something that your psyche can currently can currently comprehend and understand. Just like like if right. I if somebody comes up to me right now and says, you know what, son, son, you need to believe in Christ. I may feeling <laughs> that day. I may I may play with him a little bit. Well, all right, well, I don't I want I want to understand. I never heard of this Christ. What is this? You know, sometimes I like to play around like that. You know. Uh, depending on how much time I got to burn up, <laughs> you know, but I may take that a, a, a different way and say, son, S-U-N, you need to believe in Christ. Well, what is, what is belief? You know, cause belief has its value. Belief is not an evil word. You know, it, it has its value. You know, it's, it's a transitory state between, you know, um, knowing and not knowing. So, and then what is Christ or, or what is the Christ, you know, the arisen one, or we say the anointed one, or what is it to be anointed when you're anointing something, you're covering, you know, you need to live in that place of covering sun. What is the sun? You know, so I may look at it completely different. I might start breaking it down. I might look at the person who said it to me, how they look, how they were dressed and, and have that whole decoding game with it too, you know, but at the same time, I might turn around and say, well, what you mean? I mean, you need to get saved. And I might say, well, what makes you think I'm not saved? Because that delivers another message to me. Maybe I'm walking through the world and I'm not totally representing my culture. That could be the, the, the message I'm being sent there and I don't even realize it. You know, maybe I, because I, I switch between T-shirts, dashikis, button. Maybe maybe I need to lean on, on my, my African prints a little bit heavier. Maybe I've been going too soft on the African prints because my culture is not clear. My investment is not clearly defined. There's a lot of things that could be set, being said there. And I'm going to go through all of them. There may be 10 things by the time I'm done that I have in my pocket now that I decoded from that one statement. A reading is a beautiful thing like that as well with Ifa because it's a living thing. You're getting living information. It's going to evolve and grow as you move. You know, it doesn't just have to be one way. Yeah, it doesn't just have to be one thing. You know. Right. Well, I'm, gonna, right. I'm gonna take that in words, Baba. I give thanks for you 
breaking it down for me for 30 minutes, and I give thanks for the the, 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 the students for listening at that. <laughs> sure thing. And you got some guidance in the chat room. When we get off, go ahead and check the chat room. I know Brother Charles, I saw him popped up. He said something as far as some guidance, man. But, yeah, give thanks, brother. You you know, let us give know how that works. Out. All right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't just have to be one way. Doesn't just have to be one way. Let's see, I'm gonna just run through a couple of these. Uh Anwar says, uh why well, let me go to Jamie. Jamie Anaya. Jamie says, um, Good morning. Has Venus always been I guess so big and bright in the sky? around the beginning of the year, or is it becoming brighter? I'm going to leave that for y'all in the chat room. Um, Anwar says, for my understanding on Ophun, is it the knowing you must step into Dietrich? Oh, okay. Advice for Dietrich. Um, uh, and everyone, you're welcome. I see everyone saying thank you, Chief, for what you do. Um, and, and, and Keisha also shared that. Um, Chief, it's pronounced Keisha, LOL. We spoke last week. Uh. I pronounced it right when we spoke, Keisha. Last strong. So what you talking about? I didn't say Chisa or Chisa. I know how it's spelled. Did I say it wrong just now? No, I, didn't say, I said Keisha. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, let's see what else we got here. We got we got some uh, we got some other some other stuff here. Uh, I don't know. I have to go through it. But anyway, anyway, yeah, man. So, yeah, you know, that social engineering, man, sometimes it, it, it carves out our definitions for us in a way that is not really fruitful and advantageous uh, for us. And that's something we have to look at, man. Like I said, getting those working definitions and anytime something is being retranslated or whatever, there's going to be things that's lost. You can't really get around that, even when you're getting your EFI readings and things like that. But I'll tell you something that Sometimes some of y'all, you get too many readings. You get more readings than you can actually handle. You know, I always tell you, you don't need that many readings, you know. You know, yes, you did, Keisha. Right, exactly. So I don't know why you're giving me the pronunciation of your name, Keisha. I know your your doggone name. And I remember you. I gave you a reading last strong. How could I forget somebody who spent the entire reading using profanity? From the very moment you got on the phone, crying and cursing. How could I ever forget you? <laughs> Let me stop messing with you, even though it is what you did. But, uh, <laughs> well, a bunch of y'all do that, man. Y'all love to let loose when I'm on the phone. Yeah, see, this mother effer on my job. You know, how you doing, by the way? How you doing? Thank you for what you do for the community. Shit. <laughs> But uh, man, yeah. So it doesn't have to necessarily be one way, but everything is 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 being retranslated, and you're always gonna lose things. You cannot avoid that, man. That's why you hear me say in the intro, she speaks that little clip. I know it sounds like I'm being arrogant, but what I'm saying is that you may have the most ancient and most profound system, at least as far as you know. That's what I meant when I was saying that, like. You may think you're getting to the root, but you never really truly get to the root because everything has been, you know, you're always going to lose things in interpretation. You're always going to lose things in translations because there is a um, there's a cultural context that exists within translations that sometimes we may not be as aware of. 
you know, and I've spoken about that before. I don't need to get back into that. But, you know, so sometimes sometimes certain things mean more or less depending on your understanding of that culture. That's why I tell a lot of you guys, I've said it before, I know it doesn't feel great, but if you are serious about studying this spiritual system, study the language, because if you don't speak the language of a system, you don't know that system. Point blank. You know, and I know it doesn't feel good, especially those of you who've been doing this for 20 years and, and don't know anything beyond a lafia, <laughs> you know, but you got time. You can still learn, you know, if, if you don't. But you got to be able to speak that system, man. I mean, you got to be able to speak that language. Those of you who are saying, oh, I'm dealing with the Bible, you better learn Hebrew. Here, let me help you. Hebrew, Latin and Greek. OK, I used to study the Bible. I think I'm always giving you the Latin translations of words. I studied Latin because that was a book that I was reading. Studied Hebrew. That was a book that I was reading. You know, now you may not be fluent. You know, my Yoruba is barely fluent. I'm like, I, I dip and dive in between Yoruba and English when I'm talking. And I could be understood. Um, but when I'm back home, if somebody kicks in tonight, high gear on me, I get lost. I tell them, no, speak slow. Speak slow. <laughs> you know, I can follow as long as you speak slow, but you kick in the high gear, you're going to lose me, you know. Um, but at least I have the ability to break down those words, man. So it, to learn those systems, you got to learn that language, man. You can't get around it, you know. So it's 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 that it's that way with everything. But just understand that, man, if things get lost in translation and that's where you, you go into that that higher ethereal realm. You know, your learning has to transcend um, the logistics of language. You know, it has to transcend the, the logistics of language. Okay, so Charles asked, how many readings are appropriate for an individual? It depends on what the individual is going through, Brother Charles. And peace, Brother Charles. Let me say welcome to you, by the way. I know normally we don't get you during the... Well, we don't normally get you at all, actually. So, <laughs> so welcome. You know, you all know Brother Charles. He's always on the... Um, my mutant at. He's always on the um on the end of the month student call and stuff like that. But you know, um, it's very busy man. He's a family man, so you know, he has he has to you know deal with that. But anyway, so he says, how many readings are appropriate for an individual? Depends on the individual. You said I would think that you need time for the work, offerings, ebos, etc., to be done before another reading is truly relevant. Um, yeah, that would be the case. Uh, you should do the work and obviously see the effects of the work. But again, why are you getting a reading? You got to realize like when you're getting Ifa readings, some people look at it like it's real light, like it's a tarot card reading, you know, and I tell people don't no, don't get readings that often if you're not going to do the work that's associated with the reading, because then you're creating problems in your life. Don't open up an old do and don't feed the old do. So go get an OB reading, you know, where you may not have to do an Odu or don't get a reading at all and, and just get with other people in your community who can give you a reading on how you acted. <laughs> you know, that's another form of a reading. You know, ask the people around you, you know, how do you think I'm doing? Did I offend anybody? And I'm, I'm trying to get this done. What you think is the best way for me to do it? Community. You know, so sometimes we use these readings as a way to do things in the dark quietly because we don't have family. 
We don't have brothers and sisters who we can speak to. We don't have elders that we can speak to. When all those things are necessary, I mean, I'm sorry, when all those things are present and put into place, you're gonna find, yeah, you ain't going to be doing all them elbows and stuff like that. You know, again, it's the preventive things that I'm talking about. Like how many readings and elbows you need to do to find a mate when you've actually worked to establish yourself within a community? Getting a mate is not a problem. They're all over the place now. Finally have a community. How many ebos and work that you have to do do you have to do in order to get income or to pay your rent? Well, you won't have to do that if you live within a community and y'all establish some land trusts and, and build your homes collectively and buy your land collectively. So these are the things that I talk about a lot of times that of course I know that they're not as cool sounding as getting an EFI reading. So people skip over them. But I mean the writing's on the wall. I'm not going to let you keep skipping over that for but for so long. Stop being so obsessed with the readings. You don't need readings that often. I tell people, unless you're going through something or you're working on a project, you don't need a, a reading more than twice a year. That's it. Tops. Twice a year. You can do a reading. You know, now I know people who every week, I need, I need I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you. Do you want to talk to me at EFI? Make it clear. That's why you see I call what I do consultations because I'm not always casting EFA. And I'm not doing that because I'm lazy, but because I'm doing that for your benefit. Because if I cast and the EBO is called for, you going to do this EBO? <laughs> you know, you might not. So let's not even go there. But a lot of times, no, you don't need readings as much. It's just that they feel very accessible. So when we, we start getting into our consciousness, we start getting to our scholarship one of the ways that we can quickly and easily spiritize is by going to get a reading. You can get a reading for $5, $10, $20, $50, $100, you know. So once we see that, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go get a reading. But are you tapping into those spirits yourself? Are you collectively doing that? Are you getting two or three or four people together and saying, hey, let's, let's pull out some drums. Let's play some music. Let's, let's light some candles, you know, let's, Let's have a moment. Let's create a moment for our spirits that are around us to arrive and have some, some talk with them and translate and share what, he, what those spirits are saying to all of us. Share that information. No. So what do you do? Well, I'm going to call chief. That's coming to an end. I'm just, I'm giving you writers, I'm giving you little warnings. <laughs> Give me a little warning. I'm telling you, you got to have community. Y'all going to have to get a little bit closer with each other, man. You know, um, so, yeah, a lot of times we get a lot more readings than need be. You know, and I don't think sometimes some of you realize the heaviness or the profundity of, of Ifa. It's not a light thing. It's not like getting a um, tea leaf reading, you know, or using a pendulum. When you go into Ifa, you're doing some heavy lifting. And you may not always want to do that. It's like it's like talking to me. A lot of people will ask me some real basic questions, and I yeah I I turn them away. I find that irritating. I didn't go. Th- I, I, let's let's just let me make it real simple. It's going to sound arrogant, but you need to hear it. I'm not who I am, so I can tell you where to click to send an email. We have things in place for that. Don't bother me with that. Okay? Or, uh, Chief, how do I sign up for your class? Don't bother me with that. It's all over the sites. It's in the description of every show. All of that. Don't bother me with that. Because now you're waking up the, the juggernaut to answer something that 
anyone could have answered for you. So now you're going to cause problems in your life because now you're annoying to me. And now I see how lazy you are and I see how disrespectful you are. Well, look at it from a spiritual perspective. You want to crack open Ifa because, uh, I don't know, I've just been feeling kind of depressed lately. I don't know. I kind of don't know what to do with my life. But you got a reading six months ago that told you your life path. You didn't want to hear it, though. So now we got to crack open. So you're going to keep cracking open these very ancient and very strong and juggernaut energies. And you're not going to do anything with what you're getting. You're causing problems for yourself. Don't do it. Ask people who you trust and you admire for, for advice. Start there. So, man, I, I know it doesn't, it doesn't feel good to hear. And I know people are going to say, that's arrogant, a chief. You can't just do that. See, this is what we talk about, community. Do you know what a chief is? Do you know what a chief does? It's time for your BS. <laughs> you know, just like it's a good example. Brother Charles is on the line, right? I never asked Brother Charles to get on any of these shows, anything like that. I'm so thankful that he does the, the end of the month show. I'm gonna tell you why. That man got a, got a wife and a child and a career. He's busy. Just like Brother Byron. Brother Byron comes through. I'm so grateful when he shows up, but I never asked him to come through. He got children. He, he you know, he's got a wife. He, it, they're doing things. So I recognize where they're at. I recognize, And I'm not saying, you know, just because you may not have a child, you may not have a wife, that you're not going to be respected. But you are more respected if you have those things. And we expect your contribution to be different. Now, I may send, send someone to Charles. I may say, hey, Charles, I got this brother, this sister in, in the area where you live. He's in the DMV area. I may say, I want, I want you, you know, if you get a chance, man, reach out to them or they're going to reach out to you. Just give them, give them a little time on the phone or, you know, kick it with them for a second. They need some guidance because they're moving more into that class. They're moving beyond warrior class into elder class. Their responsibilities would be a little bit different. You know, you would ask different things of them than you would someone who maybe doesn't have a family yet or just living single and just chilling and ain't doing much, you know. It, it's you got to know the differences there. So E five, look at E five. Here, squeaky. You got to look at E five is like that old elder, um, in that sense. Um, you don't always wake up grandpa for simple things, or wake up grandma for simple things. When and when they do talk, you don't argue with them. You appreciate the fact that they even descended from where they were or woke up or turned or put the the TV on mute while they were watching, watching Judge Judy to even have the conversation with you. Look at your readings the same way. So whatever little bit they do give you, they might just tell you one sentence and then take the phone. I mean, take the TV back off mute and tell you go fix them a sandwich. Work with that little bit you gave them. I mean, that they gave you, you know, that's community. That's. That's how we are as Africans. So to make it very clear, that's how we are as Africans. That's how we get down. We respect each other's positions. And when we're getting readings, we understand how serious of a thing it is. So we only get a reading when we're ready to get that reading, not for innate little small minute things that we could actually resolve ourselves, but we're trying to sneak around and find ways out of it. You know, I want more money. 
and I hate my job. Did you start applying for the other jobs? No, I wanted to get a reading first on it. No, you're trying to figure out how to get out of working. Well, maybe you could read on the numbers for me so I can hit the lotto and not have to work anymore. So you woke, as as Brother Lowe just put in the in the chat room, you woke the dragon. So you woke the dragon up for that? You sure you want to do that? Because you might piss the dragon off and it might burn you. You see, it just, so that's, I know it's a very long answer to your question, Brother Charles, again, and I'll reiterate it. He asked how many readings are appropriate for an individual. I would think you need time for the work offerings, ebos, et cetera, to be done before another reading is truly relevant. Yeah. You know, um, when we get readings, we find out where we're at. We find out our positioning. If the reading says you're doing great, you probably should do an ebo. So to keep things great, the reading says you're doing bad. You probably should do an ebo to turn bad to good or EB to E-Ray, you know, but again, if you're living a life with character and there are certain things that are established and set up for you, you're not having all of these crises that need readings all the time. Crisis of not having a mate, not having money, um, sicknesses and, um, not necessarily having a support system in your life, not knowing how many women of you call to get readings because you don't know what to do with your life. Well, why don't you know what to do with your life? Because you ain't got no man. And how many times have I said that to many of you sisters? Once you get a man, you know, you don't need me anymore. No, I still want to talk to you, Baba. That means you really don't want a man. You just sat, you just horny. But you want to try to have this polyandrous thing where, well, I get my advice from Chief Yuya, and then I got my man over here, and I got my mechanic over here. I ain't think I'm stupid. I ain't doing that. This ain't she got to have it. <laughs> you know? So um, it's about that preventive maintenance. You know, when you, when you take preventive measures to establish a, a, a healthier context in which you're going to live in, you're going to find that your spiritual work becomes more about evolution and enjoyment and less about crisis management. You know, Rachel Rodriguez says, what type of reading should I get when I know I'm lost and trying to find my way? Well, Rachel, I think I answered that. Do you have a man? I know y'all hate when I bring that up. He always talking about y'all got to go get a mate. Do you have a man? When you're lost and trying to find your way, why are you lost to begin with? Are you making your own decisions? Is there a strong father in your life? Is there a strong man in your life? Women are not the best decision makers. Hey, let's put it this way. Women are the worst decision makers. Let me, let me put the truth out there. So you shouldn't be making those decisions. So now you get a reading. I tell you what to do. You may or may not listen to it, but it's still subject to your own decision making. Nope. You're going to stay lost. So that has nothing. You don't need a reading for that. Now, if you get a reading, will it give you some direction? Yeah. But see, sometimes we we use things as a as a surrogate way not to get the things that do the things that we're supposed to do. So instead of listening to my husband, I'm going to go to church. Tell me, let's hear what the Lord has to say or what Chief Yuya has to say. No, establish the proper context and backdrop of a healthy community and family first. And then you don't need all the crisis management. B. Joe says, wow, Chief, how do you how do you know to rethink interactions with people as a message for oneself or just someone talking? All right, let me read that again. Chief, 
How do you know to rethink interactions with people as a message for oneself or just someone talking? That's called being in tune. That's all. It's just called being in tune. Having sight. I spoke about that last night. First eye vision. Being in tune. And ultimately, everything is a message. There's nothing wasted. The universe is a very efficient place. Even when somebody's just standing in front of you talking gibberish, there's a message in that. Because then you get a moment to ask yourself, am I accepting of nonsense? And in what other areas of my life have I been accepting of nonsense? Okay, there's a message from the universe. Being in tune, that's all. There's no special formula, you know. Um, Sequoia said, peace, sis. I would say if someone is saying something that would be beneficial to your life, then I would consider it a message I need to hear. Well, you're going to have to change that way of thinking, Sequoia, because that's horrible. So that means now you're making the judgment as to what's beneficial to your life or not. And if you don't feel it's beneficial, then you don't need to hear it. Well, that's the same people that when they hear me say things that they don't like and don't feel good, they block me out. Don't do that, Sequoia. <laughs> See, now that's a prime example. I know Sequoia going to get mad, but you're going to have to get mad, girl. You're just going to have to get mad. Vijo asked me. Sequoia came in, which was cool. She gave us some guidance and, you know, good advice, but bad advice for the situation. So a lot of times your sister friends will lead you around in circles. Because y'all don't know. You need a man to come in and, and, and teach you and show you. Now, I know, thumbs down, they're coming. That's all right. I don't care. <laughs> we all have a different role on this planet. Now, Rachel Rodriguez, you said, no, you don't have a man. All right. Well, then if you don't have a man, there's about seven or eight other issues that are going to come into your life as a result. So that's seven or eight different readings that you're going to have to now do because you don't have a man. You know, again, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to explain to you. It's, there's, there's a measure of preventive maintenance that um, sometimes we keep running away from because people are not telling us that anything that, that you're learning in terms of an, of an indigenous sense comes as, as a result of participation in indigenous culture. So you, you can't just, you can't make these abstractions. It's like I gave that example earlier with, or a couple shows ago with food. People say, oh, we'll just eat this, eat that. I used to always think about that, like walking through the city when I walk past certain health food restaurants. And I'm saying from when I was a young, young kid, you know, it's just something that never made sense to me. Like it never jived. Like um, when I see people buy groceries in the city, I know this, this sounds weird. I know it does, but just follow me for a second. Um, to this day, I see people buy groceries. Like I, I don't buy groceries in the city. I don't like to. It just seems like that's not where food should be. You should go somewhere where the air is fresh. Even if you're going to, I know this sounds crazy. Even if you go into a grocery store, you should go to a grocery store where the air and the water is fresh and then bring that back to where you live. Everybody has their little quirks, right? I just feel like food in the city, it's just not, it's not going to be healthy. Even if it's fruit. Now, yeah, I'll buy some stuff. I'm gonna, but I don't feel like it's, I'm getting the best. Sometimes, again, you know, like 
we don't realize that there's a whole preventative structure that one could put in place because you can't take abstraction. So like I see people say, oh man, eat like this, eat like that, eat like that. But you're eating in a city where the air is so filthy that at the end of the day, if you just take a little tissue, no, not even the end, the middle of the day, if you take a white tissue and wipe your face, you're going to wipe soot all off of the tissue. It's that dirty outside, just walking around the city. You're walking on concrete all day. You got all kind of horns and sirens, all these different things going off. So you think you're going to live healthy because you found a spot to go buy some spirulina or some chia seeds or some maca root? No, because those things have to be combined with other things. You're living in a shadow of buildings all day, so you don't even get sun on you. So how is your body even going to process the nutrients from those, from those herbs and supplements and you don't even have sun hitting your skin? So you can't, you know, use these abstractions. Um, I just want the reading, but I don't want the culture. Well, you're wasting your time. I'm not saying you're doing that, Rachel, anyone else. I'm speaking in general, just so you all can understand. But like I said, when when you don't have uh, those things in place, like I said, you ain't got no man, man. That's another seven or eight readings, man, that you're getting ready to have. And that's what, let me see. If you if you pay $125 for reading seven. That's that's eight hundred and seventy five dollars. Think about, look at it in that sense. Eight hundred seventy five dollars. You see. So what I'm saying to you is that there's other things that have to come along, you know, with the um, with the work. Maroon Beauty twenty one says, "Funny thing, Chief, is I could be offended, <laughs> but I watch my daughter being able, unable to make decisions. So when I Think about myself. Am I modeling the same behavior? Of course. Your daughter's just doing what's natural. She can't make decisions. You can't can't make good decisions. That's not what you came to the planet for. So it's not a strike against women. See, now, people who will thumbs down and be offended, you're only doing it because you're invested in in Western society, Western culture. That's the only reason. Because that's who taught you what a woman is or what a man is. That's who's telling you, what about equal rights? Where you get that garbage from? You didn't come up with that. Because equal rights for them means means same. We do the same thing. It means unisexuality. You got you to gotta peep the tricks. It's not saying equal rights, like let me go equally be the fullness of woman and you go equally be the fullness of man. It's not saying that. It's saying let's do the same thing so we can move back into that unisexual place and we can reintroduce our our culture of dissexuality. That's what it's saying. If men, and and this is real simple, I've broken this down 500 different ways, but because of the cultural programming that a lot of you have, you pretend like you don't understand what I'm saying. If men are the light and the guiding force of the universe, or the masculine energy is, and the feminine energy is the production of the universe. How many different ways do I have to explain this? You have a battery. The negative, the negative polarity of the battery holds all the power. The positive polarity holds no power, but it directs the power of the negative polarity. So it's the positive one that has to make all the decisions. How many ways do I have to keep explaining this? Until I say, I ain't explaining this no more. Y'all playing now. Y'all don't want to accept this. You're playing. And I'm not getting on anybody who's saying that. I'm I'm just talking generally now. Just so you know. So what does that mean? That means women are going to be greater. And like, look what you just said here. Sister Allison McCoy. 
You said, really, chief? Think about that, Allison. Think about yourself. You're a great example of this. I'm going to pull you out. Now I'm going to talk directly to you. This sister, Allison, this is a sister that I told y'all, y'all need to reach out to anybody needs any type of catering, baking, very talented sister. She's one of those sisters who could do like 50 different things well. She's one of them. She don't, but because she does so many different things well, she doesn't know what to do with herself. See, I'm, I'm going to tell you business, Allison. I'm going to tell you business. She's a chef. She's an artist. She could do this. She could do that. She could do this. She could do all these different things, but doesn't know which one to start on, which one to do. She's a woman. Now, that's a woman right there for you. That's what you want. See, she's producing. She's power. She's the bountiful of that production and that power, but she ain't got no direction because she's not leaning in the masculine side. She's not leaning where, where the direction is. She's leaning where, the, where, where, the, where her power is. You see? Now, you might have men that can't do, they ain't got all those talents and skills, but they have insight and intelligence and foresight. And you just don't seem to have that. They have organizational and order, ordering capabilities where they could take all of those different things that you're doing and say, okay, listen, this is how we're going. You're going to cook. We're going to do this. We're going to take your artwork. We're going to put it in the restaurant. I don't know about starting a restaurant. Don't worry. It's real easy. I know how to do it. All we got to do is organize it. We're going to do it like that. Oh, you also into music. Okay, you play an instrument. All right, we're going to have some live groups, some live bands, but we'll also have some of your music for sale. You see? Now, he's not doing any of that stuff because he doesn't have those skills. She has all of that. But he has the ability to order it, to make sense of it. Now, I'm going to explain this like 5,000 different ways. And y'all keep coming back to the same thing. So you mean to tell me? Because, I mean, there's a lot of sisters out here that's good at making decisions. We're going to go back to the same stupidness. All right, well, look at the urban communities. Those are matriarchies. Those are ran by women. You can't deny that at this point. Because y'all complain that there's no that all the men have left and that the women are raising the children by themselves. Well, look at what you did. Look at the mess you made for food stamps in Section 8. Look at what you did. I know. Here's all the thumbs down. <laughs> here comes the wave. This mother effer here. <laughs> it's the truth, man. It's the truth. And then you got a lot of you got a lot of brilliant men, males, who are crackheads and 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 drunks. Brilliant though. You talk to them. You ever need something fixed and have a crackhead close by? That crackhead may have no experience in whatever it is that you do. They'll tell you, I drink twenty dollars, I'll fix that. Yeah, my roof just caved and the tree fell on my <laughs> Listen, man, all we got to do, I can go down to my man down the street, man, get a little handsaw, and he'll be out there all day cutting down that tree from around your house and will somewhere find some plywood and will patch your, your roof. And he ain't never did nothing like that a day in his life. Crack is an amazing motivator. Crack will motivate you into some damn Mhotepian genius. You'll build a pyramid on crack, okay? Because that's how men are. We're brilliant. We're brilliant. You know, but we don't necessarily always apply that that brilliance. And what do we say a lot of times when we see that drunk man or that crackhead? What do we say? If he just had a good woman in his life, he could go so far. We need each other in some senses. 
Well, let, let, no, let me keep that real. I actually don't need you. We don't need each other. Y'all need us. We want you. I've broken that down. I ain't going to break that one down anymore either. You should understand that by now, too. I don't know. I already broke that down. And Rachel, see, you said it, too. I find my son being indecisive, no male guidance. See? I'm not making this stuff up, man, and I don't have a I don't have a bone to pick with women. I'm not out to get y'all. You know, I love you. That's why I'm telling you, this society, they played you. They sold you a bill of sales that you was never going to be able to cash in on. They they completely played you out. Had you thinking, you don't need no man. You could do it. 90 seconds. You always have a man. There's always a man in your ear. Whether you see that man physically or you don't, you always have a man in your ear because your very nature as a woman is not to be the inspiration of the universe, not to derive anything in and of yourself, but to receive information and to produce with it. Now, there are people in this world who already know that about you before you learn that about you, about yourself. So they know as long as they deposit something in you, 60 seconds, if they deposit crazy in you, you're going to produce crazy. They already know that. So what they have to do is get you away from the most brilliant man that has proven his brilliance on the planet. Separate you from him and then keep feeding you stupidity. And then you just keep doing dumb things with your life and can't figure out why. And then when you get a reading from someone like me and I give you the science, you say this. Yeah, chief, thanks for that reading. I guess I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do. Because there's still a chip in you that says, chief just broke everything down. But don't you dare listen to that black man. Don't you dare. I'll tell you what to do with that information. We're going to go to the bookstore. Ten seconds coming up, y'all. Ten seconds. Then we're going to get off. We're going to go to the bookstore. You're going to get a nice leather-bound journal. And you're going to take everything from that reading and you're going to write it in your your journal. Oh, so pretty. And then you're going to put it up in a nice secret place. And then I'm going to take back over and you're going to do what the hell I tell you to do. My beautiful bed winch. See, that's that voice in the back of your head, the overlord. Don't listen to that black man. Listen to me. So, yeah, I'm trying to tell you something, man. And this is not just a racial thing. This is how the universe works. White women need to listen to white men. And they produce for white men. Asian women need to listen to Asian men. They produce for Asian men. Arab women listen to Arab men. They produce for Arab men. And everyone is so is so hung up on the idea of who they have to listen to. So I got to listen to you. Yeah, Negro, what's the problem? Somebody has to be, why we can't both be in the front? Because that doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. There's an there's a order to doing things. There's an order that works and there's an order that doesn't work. And you look at any prosperous culture or community in this world, you notice they follow the order and the strongest ones follow it the most. Look at Arabs. Come on, man. Look at how Islam is spreading into the West. Why do you think that is? Sit back for a second. Stop pretending like you're so mad at Arabs because you ain't that mad. <laughs> and look at their culture. What do you see there? Pay attention. And what do you see the Western countries trying to do to them? You know, you don't have to listen to that man. You don't have to walk behind that man. You don't have to. Why is she walking behind him? Do you understand the science of that? 
You got a dog running down the street. You, oh, yeah. Well, come come by my side, baby. Because I don't know how strong your front kick is, but I know I can kick that jaw, that, that, that dog in the jaw and break its jaw. Because I've been training in the gym to do that for many years. Can you? Your little rape whistle ain't going to work on a damn pit bull running down the street. So what I'm playing around, give me small examples. But what I'm saying is that look at those cultures and communities that are thriving. Look at the ones that aren't. I spoke about the Ottoman Empire yesterday. You want to know when they started falling? They had this thing where they used to like to kill, <laughs> and like the, 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 the fratricide, as they call it. You know, a brother would, come, would get elected to the to the throne, and he would kill off all his other brothers and nephews and stuff like that. And they got to the point where the women started scheming on this, and they would put like their 10, 11 year old children on the throne, and then the women would, would the, the mothers would rule the empires. Well, when the Ottoman Empire was first taken over, when the first time they were really they took their biggest hit was by another female invader. It was just women fighting women at that point. I'm gonna give you a little a little tidbit that you're all gonna hate to hear. Yeah, after Suleiman, brother, way after Suleiman, um, I saw Lord of Scholar just asked me, was this after school Suleiman? Yeah, way after Suleiman, because you remember Suleiman came in, you know, he was like Suleiman was actually really peaceful. It was his pops who was insane, <laughs> you know. Um, but Suleiman, when he came in, he really established like art and things like, you know, he established a whole nother thing. But it was his successors who started to look towards the European countries and they started to try to emulate that within the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish Empire. You know, they even started dressing like the Europeans and stuff in that level of extravagance, you know, and that's when their problems started. Um, it was also it was uh, was it Suleiman or the one right under him who actually married because you remember prior to that. All of the rulers came from the women of the harem. They came from the concubines. The rulers and the kings didn't really get married. They didn't need to get married. They would just have a harem of women to increase their um, their chances of having male heirs. That's how they established dynasties. And it wasn't Suleiman. It might have been Suleiman. It was either him or his son who actually got rid of his harem and married for love. It was the first time in that empire that anyone ever married just for love. And it was the beginning of the end. It was culture. Pay attention to cultures that are winning right now. And I'm going to tell you something. Matriarchy is always marks the fall of an empire. You don't believe me? Go study it. Look at the black community. You don't believe me? I know you don't like it. It doesn't feel good. I, I get you. But we all have a role to play. We all have a role to play. There is something, and Sister Sister Allison wanted me to put this cue in there as well. You left one more thing out. I'm a farmer, too. I didn't leave it out. I said there's a whole bunch of other things. I don't know everything you do, Sister Allison. I know it's just a bunch of things. And I'm sure it's, it's way more than, I'm, I'm sure you do more things than you even know you do. Because you haven't been put in that environment yet where someone has served their role while you can serve your role and then you can just blossom. I bet you got more stuff in there, you know, still untapped, but she's a farmer too. Of course, back home, most of the women, they do farm, you know, producing. So I'm just saying, man, you know, I know this stuff isn't really um, pleasant to hear and it maybe even it may sound ancient to you. It may say, it may sound antiquated and, Oh, well that's, 
That's some old, you know, we don't need that anymore, anymore, you know, but no, man. That's why I'm disappointed in a lot of you guys, man. Some of, some of you, and I'm talking about you males, some of you are a little bit too selfish, man. And I know, I know how, I know how rebellious and hard-headed a lot of the sisters can be. I'm aware. I, I get it. And some of those, you got to let them just stay where they at, man. Let them just rot with this, with this society. But there's some that really need some guidance and are looking for it, and they're going to end up getting it from the wrong place and getting turned down, turned around, or turned out and turned around even worse. And some of you, you males, because you never, you never really understood your role and your position and what you're supposed to do, you don't even know that you're supposed to step up and do something. You don't even know. You're just sitting there being friends with them and watching them ruin their lives. That's disgusting, man. You know, yeah, they're gonna they're not gonna like you. Yeah, the things that I'm saying right now, they're not gonna like. Oh, chief is a chauvinist. F them, man. Say what you need to say, man. Teach what you're supposed to teach, man. So you know, you got to crack through that 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 ceiling of 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 social engineering with truth and with surety. You got to be able to crack through that, man, and not be afraid about public um, approval or public praise. That doesn't matter. Ultimately, when you're trying to rebuild your civilization, and like I've said before, I'll say it again because I know no one listened. (laughs) Civilizations are not built by men and women. They're built by men. They're not built by women. You get that? Y'all keep playing around with that one. Well, it's women. They built it. They didn't build SHIT. They came and managed things after men built them. They ain't build nothing. That's not what they do. Men built civilizations and then women absorbed themselves. And let me make this clear. Heterosexual men build civilizations. Women absorbed themselves into them and established the cultures of those civilizations. And women ensure that there are dynasties so that way the civilizations can survive. They maintain the liberty of the actual civilization. So what is the civilization itself? The frame to the building. The construction work. Go on a construction site. Who's doing the heavy lifting? The men. You might have a girl out there waving flags, directing traffic, pretending like she's doing something. <laughs> you know, But it's the men who's out there building. The women come and do something different afterwards. So a lot of times you guys use that as an excuse. Well, I can't build because I don't have a sister who's getting what. No, you're using that as an excuse. You're lazy. We've never needed women to build civilizations. They come afterwards. Because how are you going to go out there and pioneer and frontier something to build something? You got your woman with you. Think that's dangerous. You haven't cleared the and pioneered yet. That's dangerous. She comes after you, Bill, after you set up the tent in the stronghold. That's when she comes later. So a lot of you guys, man, you really suckers in disguise. You ain't going to do nothing. You're just running your mouth. All right. That's been our segment. <laughs> I still love you all, man. I know you're probably thinking like, oh, my God, he's so horrible. <laughs> no, he's just so honest. That's all. He's just so honest. So I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to keep it real with you. And, and you're welcome to disagree. I'm cool with that. You know, I'm not I'm not bashing anyone or anything like that i'm i'm critiquing where people are i'm critiquing our behavior and our actions 
And that's really the key piece. You know, like I said in, in the previous PSA, there's a, there's a distinct difference between critiquing and bashing. You know, when you're bashing, you're speaking to the, to the character and the disposition of the individual. When you're critiquing, you're speaking about their actions and their behaviors. Okay, so there's a distinct difference between a criticism and a bashing. And a lot of times when you start to speak truth, especially as, again, a melanoid African man, immediately people will use ways to lash out at you by saying you're, you're, you're bashing them. That's a trick. It's a trick. And social engineering has given you that trick to keep you from actually being criticized in a way that will actually cause you to grow and cause you to expand. Okay, we have to criticize each other. We have to do that. Out of love, we have to do that. But bashing is just abuse. And this ain't abuse. You know, this is hypercriticism so we can finally grow. And like I say so often, cease to be the laughing stock of the planet. Okay. So I will see you all tomorrow. Today is Thursday, Friday. You know, it's the early dawning wake up, 7 a.m. We had a good bill last Friday. We're going to have a good bill this Friday, but think about things that I'm telling you. You know, every Friday I always give you something to. Um, uh, all right, let me get out of here. I always give you something uh, to work on for the strong end. This Friday will be no different. All right, and to such time for those students, I knew uh, Sadula House Spiritual students. I'll talk to you on the website, and it's not too late to join the, the Sadula House Spiritual Challenge. Um, believe it or not, and we're gonna we're gonna roll it over into a new one afterwards. Just so you know, for those of you who have maybe missed the January mark, I know we're getting new students in every day who are learning and growing. Um, there's plenty of classes on the website. And as you see, um, there are changes on the sites. It's, it's becoming more intuitive. So we're really establishing a platform for your learning and for your growth where, you know, it, it's intuitive for you, where you can give you on your phone at work and you can actually be taking classes. You can be on your lunch break and still growing, so you're not giving the best years of your life to someone else's dream, to fueling someone else's vision, but you're still allowing for that time. And I urge you all, when you wake up in the dawning, give an hour to yourself first before you start running around and ironing and eating so you can run and go fuel somebody else's thing. Give yourself an hour to take a class on the Sedula House website. Feed yourself first. Like we say in in entrepreneurship, pay yourself first. Pay yourself first before you start hoeing out and being a financial concubine for a system that has no love for you. All right. And to such time, I will speak to you all first thing tomorrow morning. Make sure you get enough sleep tonight so that you bright and fresh for when we we build tomorrow. Until such time, peace. This is Chief Yuya signing out.